You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs. And why do we do that? So we can actually live more fully into who we were created to be and shine our lights in the world. This week, we are joined by Patty James. Patty has been coaching people from all walks of life in one-on-one and group situations for over 18 years. And she currently has three distinct coaching practices. Um, And they focus on different areas, although because she's so adept, she can blend, but she focuses on business growth, finances, and most recently, and why I asked her to be on the podcast is her focus on the Enneagram. Patty has a passion for personal growth, and she says her love of learning has allowed her to um, graduate cum laude from the University of Colorado at Denver, and that led her to create her own university, Patty Breton University. Well, I'm going to ask her to talk about that and also to correct my pronunciation. Um, But on a personal note, Patty just celebrated six years of marriage with her husband, Neil, and they have a three-year-old daughter, Scarlet, and they currently live in Denver, so it's still chilly there this time of year as we're recording this. And when times allow, when time allows, you're going to find Patty either running, wine tasting, or doing escape rooms. And she says sometimes she does all three in the same day. I'd be curious the sequence of all of that. Anyway, in our conversation today, I'm going to ask Betty to talk a little more about PBU, her university, her experiences with the Enneagram, especially as a type three with a wing two, married to a type five, and why becoming clear on what we each need is so important. So with that, let's welcome our guest today, Patty James. How are you, Patty? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for allowing me to be part of this podcast uh, as I said earlier, I love what your podcast represents and the message that you're getting out there. So I am absolutely thrilled and honored that I get to be part of it. Well, I'm glad. And I have to do a little self-disclosure here because, you know, one of the things that um, troubles me, I would say it was bugs me, but it just troubles me more than anything, I think, is for people who are trying to do new things in life and kind of stretch themselves if we look to like social media and whatever is out there, quote unquote, on the web, it can look so like, oh, they got there. It was so easy or they've got skills I don't have. So this is actually my second take with Patty. So last week I scheduled Patty to be here um, on Friday, which is typically when I record. But however, and we had a really great interview. Um and then at the end of it, when I'm closing down my normal thing is I have check marks and all of a sudden I'm not getting the thing that I actually hit record. So first I was mortified and then I thought, oh, well, that was such a great interview. I've got to own it with Patty. I can't just tell her I didn't like it and not use it. So we are back today. Patty's very um, gracious. And the great thing is a weekend has passed and neither one of us actually remembers what we've talked about in great detail. So it's going to feel fresh again. Yes. So Patty, 
Yeah. I appreciate you uh, saying that because, you know, I think, I think people oftentimes, especially on social media, think everything is like you said is perfect and it's not, we all make mistakes and it's, um, that's okay. That's part of, that's part of learning and that's part of life. So that's a good thing. Well, that's for me, it helps me to just laugh at myself a little because I tend to be a little serious about stuff. And so then I'm thinking that was kind of a bonehead mistake. Yeah. And when I told my husband I did, he goes, you never do that. And I go, evidently I do now. So anyway, the first time we talked, I asked you this and feel free to change your answer. But is there something you do every day that really keeps you focused and grounded in your true purpose and calling, Patty? Yeah. And I really think that it is twofold. One is every single morning as I'm taking my daughter to daycare, we pray, and in that prayer, I say out loud three things that I'm grateful for, and I try to try to have a back and forth with my three-year-old, so I'll say, this is what I'm grateful for. What are you grateful for, Scarlett? And it's, uh, it's amazing because it, it's so great to be able to see through her innocent eyes of things that she's grateful for, and it's hilarious some of the things she comes up with, but being grounded in gratitude at the beginning of the day, I think, is so important for me at least uh, to start my day with looking at the things that not necessarily I wish that I had or that I you know aspire to be but just things that I currently have that I am absolutely grateful for but the second part to this is the intentions that I want to have for the day one of my coaches uh, that I had several years ago. Her name is Fima Zanke. She talks about the boomerang effect and what you throw out in the world is going to come back to you. And so every single day, I try to set one to three intentions that I'd like to have for that day. And when I'm at my best, I'll journal those when I get home because I love checking them off. It's almost eerie uh, at the end of the day when I get to say, oh my gosh, like every single one of these intentions happened. And just for fun, sometimes I make them very specific. Like I'm going to have somebody who I haven't spoke with a long time <laughs> in a long time reach out to me. And then an hour later, I have someone who I haven't talked to for years send me a text. And it's it's a little eerie how uh, specific those intentions can be, but saying things I'm grateful for and then making intentions for the day, I think really helped me live true to my calling as you had said. Well, and I love that boomerang analogy, right? Because what we do put out for good or ill, you know, and that's, you know, it's like what we think about, we just manifest. Um, I listened to a, a great uh, podcast yesterday um, and it just went deeper into that, both from a psychological, but also a spiritual um, perspective of really, you choose what you feed, right? Do you feed your fear or do you feed your faith and confidence, right? Just pick, right? So if my intention today is to feed the positive messages um, or put things out, and when you said that people will do that, I did that not long ago. I thought, I need to hear from, and it was one of them was one, my sister, my one of my sisters, I've got a couple. And the other was that I needed to hear from this other person. And with, just like you said, and my sister and I are like close, man, she will call or text me and going, Hey, just thinking about, you know, well, that works so great. So it kind of gives you chills sometimes because you're like, it does. this is crazy. And I think it's reversed too, because there'll be times where I'm doing like, I could be doing this and all of a sudden, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I got to reach out, right? I was just thinking about calling you. 
So, right. And she goes, she goes, I just started thinking about I should call you. So anyway, I love that too. But it, I do think that intentionality, it, because it brings our awareness to what it is we're trying to accomplish and be present in the world. So I do want to back you up a minute. Talk a little bit about PBU. What inspired you to create your own university? You just finished school. You came out with top honors and grades and now you have a university. What's up? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was actually uh, quite a while after I graduated, but I I kept having all these like one day, one day isms, right? Like one day I'd like to learn how to do this and one day I'd like to learn how to do that. And I was on, I was on an airplane and I just remember this so distinctly because it was just like this tidal wave of like, oh, I got to get this done now. But I was on an airplane to a conference with uh, my old company, Cutco. I was a district manager for them. And I was reading a book called Maximum Achievement by Brian Tracy. And in that book, it was like the third page of the book, but it said something like, we are completely surrounded by anything that we want to learn, anything that we, information we want we can Google it, right? We can get it so easily. And I remember just thinking, I shut the book and I got out my journal, I'm a huge journaler. And I was like, why am I waiting to learn, you know, all these things that I have one dayisms? What, what, and I started journaling to myself to kind of break this down. And I thought, you know, there's all these things I want to learn. So what's holding me back? And I was like a plan. And I was like, I was a really good student. So why can't I just plan it out like school? And so in that, I wrote down all the different things that I'd like to learn. And so essentially, I started making my own classes, like my own set class, uh, where it was a non-negotiable. So if somebody called me up and said, you know, I, I would like to do something this time, I'm so, I said, hey, I'm sorry, I have class, just like if it was an actual class. The big thing that made PBU, in my opinion, better than something that you really wanted to you know, just go after is the accountability I set up in place. Now, the whole reason why school works is because you have midterms, you have finals, you have somebody who's holding you accountable and gonna be grading you. So what I created is I just used my friends and my coworkers as that accountability. So I planned out my semester and I said, okay, my final is gonna be this. So I would ask my friend, hey, I'm going to tell you a book report or I'm going to play you a song on my guitar because that's my class I'm taking or I'm gonna teach you how to do Zumba or whatever it is that I was learning that semester. I set a date, I partnered a friend with it and that way I could be able to make that happen. And so what was so nice about PBU is I don't have to pay a university to continue to learn. I, I strongly believe that we all should continue to be students of life. And, uh, and just because you're out of a, you know, college or high school or any doctorate, like you can still learn. And that allows us to be so much more passionate and excited about life when we're constantly learning and growing. That's why I love your podcast. Um, but having those accountability and just having it as a set structure is something that I really love about PBU. And I've been talking about that concept since 2000. I think I, I made it in 2011 or 2012. So I've been, I have t-shirts and everything that my uh, sister and brother-in-law made me that say PBU. You know, so people ask me at the airport, like, PBU, where's that? I'm like, well, it's not technically not any place, but Anyway, so that's what Patty Burton University is all about, is just being a student of life and making sure that there is a set place, uh, a set time, 
because if we don't put it in our schedule, it's not going to happen, and a set deadline of when we're going to make that happen. And being able to say, I have class, right? That's no one ever, when you're going to school and you say, I have a class, they don't say, why don't you just cut and have coffee with me? It's like, you wouldn't think of it. You just wouldn't. Person's on a journey, right? Let them do their thing. But, or, but so that just makes it so clear. And I think it's so self-affirming to say, I've set this up. I have class and I'm going to do this. So I just love that concept. I really do. Well, let's pivot over to the Enneagram. Um, now you've done other learning types over the years, and I know through you, we talked a little bit about your Cutco experience, and that's a very structured organization where they want their folks to be knowledgeable and skillful and trained and all of that. So um, talk a little bit about when you learned about the Enneagram, how that helped you, where that was in your journey, and then kind of how it evolved into what you're doing now. Yeah, yeah, thank you. You know, I think one of the things that Cutco really did was instilled in me personal growth and and the importance of the more you personally grow, the better your business is going to do. There's there's nobody that I know that can elevate their business without personally growing first. And so that's something that I saw hand in hand for the 10 years I was a district manager, uh, is that every time that I really took you know, advantage of my personal growth, my business would all of a sudden be doing better. And I mean, just to name some of them, like some of the personality systems I've studied is LIFO, the five love languages, Berkman, Skills Finder. I went through the Landmark Forum, uh, Myers-Briggs, something called CVI was really big in Cutco or Core Value Index. And these were all great. And they really allowed me to learn a lot about myself and learn a lot about people I was working with and my friends and family. But, uh, my best friend and a coworker were telling me a little bit about the Enneagram. And I was like, all right, yeah, just another personality system, yada, yada. And my husband had deployed in 2020. Um, I was at home. I had a one-year-old. I'm working my two businesses. And, you know, the world shut down. So I'm trying to manage a one-year-old while working two businesses at home. And I said, you know, now sounds like a great time to really start studying something else. Uh, the total three in me. And I said, you know, let me, I've heard, I've heard a little bit about this Enneagram thing. Let me read a book. And so I read the book, The Paths Between Us, which uh, I think is a great book. Usually the road back to you is typically number one. And then the paths between us, I did it the opposite way. But really what sparked my interest was reading my husband's chapter, learning about the five. Uh, I had him take it and I can't remember if he did get the five right off the bat, But as soon as I read that chapter about him, there were so many light bulbs that just went off that I said, oh my gosh, this is Neil. Uh, Oh my goodness, this makes so much more sense. Because with a five, as you know, since you're a five, there are so many things that a five will do without really thinking about it. But as a three with a strong wing, too, I can take a lot of things really personally. And so there was at times in our marriage where he would do something. But now, like looking at it through the Enneagram lens, he just needed space. He needed to recharge. But for me, I took it as like, oh, man, is is he mad at me? Or, you know, what did I say? Uh, like, What did I do? And, and I would take all these things or create all these ideas in my mind. So researching the five a ton really got me into the Enneagram. And then 
you know, I was like, okay, what about the three? And so I started researching that. And then I started researching all the different numbers and started partnering up different people. And early on, I just kind of would observe people through this new lens of the Enneagram. So I know one of my, uh, one of the people I work with, uh, who's technically my boss, uh, he's an eight. And so just watching his interactions, knowing from my perspective that he's an eight, but then there's other individuals who I, I knew, oh, they're a, you know, they're a three or they're a one. And it's just so interesting the differences you see and what you pick up on knowing somebody's Enneagram number, specifically now that I'm coaching, I mean, I coach a lot of people, I coach 80 to 100 people. So being able to view through the lens of, ooh, you know, this person is a seven and they're not in a great spot. And I could tell that because they're doing X, Y, and Z. So so it's been a it's been a really exciting journey. Some a lot of it being passive at first and just like getting as much knowledge as I could about the Enneagram. But now I'm teaching people, I'm doing workshops, I'm talking to anybody that will listen to me about the Enneagram and telling them about their Enneagram. So it's been a, it's been a really, really great. It's a really great journey. Okay, so you threw out a couple of numbers. And for folks who may not yet know their number, um, I've got a couple of questions for you. Describe a little bit more about your own type, like, um, and not just like the basics, because you know, there's that tendency like, um, oh, I know, I know her type, right? We make assumptions, right? So what are a couple of the things unique about you as a three and maybe how you would show up when you're not doing your best, right? Like you're not at your optimum self. So someone might be observing you and on one day or one situation within the same day, you're exhibiting certain things and they're going, Patty seems a bit off. So give us the high level overview, some of your motivations um, and some of the challenges when you start going down in level. Yeah, that's a, this is a, I love, I love talking about this and I will say, uh, if you don't know your type and you're listening to this, take a couple of tests. Um, I found for me, and at least for a few others that I spoke to, that when you start feeling uncomfortable, when you hear some of the like things that you're doing when you're not at your best, or when you kind of feel a little embarrassed, that's probably a really good sign. That's your number, right? So when I first took the test, I got labeled as an eight, which is the challenger. And I, in my opinion, I love eights and I totally want to be an eight. But I, as I was researching the eight, I was like, yeah, this isn't me. When I read the three, which I'll get into here in a moment, there was some things that I was like, okay, yeah, I can go with that. But then when we, they were talking about some of the things they do, that isn't the, you know, when they're not at their best, I was like, no, oh no. And was, I didn't want to read it. I almost wanted to shut my eyes and deny, but then sitting with it for a little while, I was like, yeah, this is me, but this is good for me to know and be aware of. So, so the three, they're the achiever. And as an achiever, getting things done or being successful or being accomplished in any way is probably one of the most important things to a three. So because of this, I am constantly adding new things that I could achieve or get done to my plate. So last year, for example, like being certified as an Enneagram coach, uh, running 500 miles was a big goal for me. I had a couple other, uh, couple other big goals. So I could just be able to say, yes, I did this. The, the bad part about that is 
that no matter how that goal is serving me, I have to get it done. Like I know other types can set a goal and if they're not really feeling it anymore, they can just kind of set it aside. But if I set a goal, I'm going to kill myself to try to get this done uh, as well as I can. There's no way I'm going to give up on a goal. So I remember reading, <clears throat> I had a goal of reading a certain amount of books. And one of the books I started, I absolutely despised. I was like three chapters in and I did not like the book at all, but I had to finish it because I had to get done with this goal and I couldn't leave a book undone. So as far as a three goes, I mean, they are one of the positive qualities about a three is they can get so many different things done. If you, if you want to get something done, give it to a three. If you want, you know, if you want to be able to have new ideas or just something to, I guess, something to get done, give it to a three. But you know when a three is in a bad space, when all of a sudden the super motivated person doesn't really seem motivated by, motivated or uh, excited about anything and they're just kind of like yeah I'll, I'll, I can get that done or Meh, I don't really care about that anymore you know that they're probably what I like to say is unaligned so we're all in alignment that's when we're at our best we're on autopilot that's when we're just kind of reacting and then when we're unaligned that's when we're stressed or out of growth and typically with the three you can tell that when they just don't really have goals and they don't really want to go after anything. Now, when a three is really just an autopilot, one of the dangerous parts is that they could be the workaholic of the Enneagram. And so my husband pointed this out to me uh, early in our marriage. He's like, why are you working? Like, you don't have to be working this much. Uh, he's like, why are you working so much? And I was like, I just want to get X, Y, and Z done. I need to get it accomplished. And for him, he's a five, which is the investigative thinker. Uh, he f wants to limit his resources of what he puts out. So he can sometimes he can't still can't understand how much energy I put into something because I want to get it done and I want to be the best at it. Uh, he just can't understand like, well, that's not going to give you X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, yes, but I could say I did it and I'm the best at it. Uh, and that is something that we're still a little... We, we, we vibe most of the time on most things, but that is one thing that we are still off a little bit on. We are not quite on the same wavelength, but now that he understands my Enneagram a little bit more, he can understand or be a little bit more uh, gracious with giving me space to do that. Well, I and in defense of fives, no, I'm not going to defend a five um, <laughs> because I have my own cringeworthy awareness as a five. But um, with that, you know, it's so great to be someone that you can hand things to and know there's such self-satisfaction that people can trust you as a three, that you're energetic. You can actually engage people in ideas that they may have been a little less willing to dive in on. But because of your enthusiasm, because that people can rely on you, you can get people to do things that they might have said, well, maybe later, right? And they're going, yeah, I'm all in. If Patty's leading it, I'm with her, right? You get followers as a three. I would 100% agree with yeah. that. One of the other, I guess, bad traits of a three is we have so much that we're adding to our plate that, and we want to just get it done, that oftentimes I know personally, I'll like get things done and they weren't quite 
the quality that I would have wanted in that just because I'm just trying, I, you know, I have this to get done and I have 10 other things that I want to get accomplished and checked off today. So let me just get this done as quick as I can. And so sometimes that can show through in some of the work that I do, but um, on the other end of the spectrum, I'm able to highlight all the, all the things that I got accomplished that day. So, so a one, which is the perfectionist, would ab absolutely, if I have a few ones in my life, so they know, they're like, oh, this wasn't done. This, this needs to be redone. And I appreciate that because it's nice to go back and fix it to the perfectionist standard if I need to. But there's other things that I don't really care if it's not done at the absolute peak best way it needs to be done like I don't need to have my color coordinated closets I don't need to have you know like the sticker uh ripped off perfectly off of like you know something I purchased there's just some things I could care less about that the perfectionist I know would be like oh my gosh this is giving me a twitch in my eye uh so but uh I guess we we pick and choose things that are important to us right Especially well, we do. I, as you're saying that, I'm thinking with your long list, I can just imagine asking you, and this is what's great about you setting intention, right? Because that is a very seemingly passive way of getting you to focus on what's what's important, right? Because if something came up, you could use your intention as a filter to say, really, uh, I've got 10 things on my list, but what do I need? What's essential here? Yes. And yes, it's going to feel great checking that box, but today it might not happen. Does that make you, your stomach just a little sick, though, to think that you couldn't check that box? Oh, yes. Yes, it does. So there's there's some times where well, my husband and I will be getting ready for bed and I'm like, I just need to do one more thing. Uh, I'll be right back. And uh, he's just like, I think at this point he's kind of used to it or I'm like running around because I need to hit you know, close my rings on my Apple watch or whatever it might be. Uh, so he's, uh, he, 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 I think he finds it endearing now, but at, at first he didn't really understand it so much. Yeah, I can see my frame for a different type and some types really are like oil and vinegar. I mean, until, unless if they know and understand each other, not necessarily so, but, and that's why it's so important at work to understand and recognize and I love that you were use the word lenses right because it really is you know I'm wearing my computer glasses right well they see at a certain distance I forget to take them off and I go out in the other room and I'm trying to read a letter I can't read it it's too close and so it's kind of fuzzy I'm thinking what's wrong but I didn't realize I hadn't changed my lenses so for me it's kind of like I if you and I were working on something and you're coming out of left field and I think what's up with Patty and I forget that you see things from a totally different point of view and need to take, I need to take a step back and go, what can I appreciate and learn here? Or if I know you well, and you're kind of falling off into that, you know, like the not so stellar part of your personality or your functioning part, be able to say, hey, Patty, what's happening? You know, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that without someone's permission. Right. Right. Especially, yeah, especially when coaching somebody. But yeah, I find it so interesting to learn about the different levels of alignment for every type. And it's so helpful, especially for the people you know really well and for the people who you work with closely to know, you know, this is where they go to when they are in growth and here's where they go to in stress and here's where they go to in, um, when they're on autopilot. One of the things I did not say about the three is that at the best, threes are 
instead of being competitive and trying to win and trying to be the best, they turn into more of a team player and where they're being more cooperative versus competitive and they're trying to get other people to win just as much as them. And so I know I'm in a really great spot when I'm cheering for other people and really happy for their success versus like, how can I beat this person uh, in, in the game of life, right? So that is, uh, for a three, that's really important to be aware of is like when I'm wanting to, you know, support other people and, and cooperate with them versus just like thinking about what in what ways I could beat them, that's really important to know. It's interesting. Um, I know a three who I really admire her. I mean, she's a very um, accomplished businesswoman. And, you know, we were having a conversation, but one of her non-negotiables as she goes forward in life is really that I want to be able to collaborate with people, right? So really on the high side of a three, right? And, and she says, if I can't do that, then it's probably not where I need to be. Yes. Versus I have to be the king bee or queen bee, I guess. Um, so anyway, the thing, the more you know about the Enneagram, the more you can just love on the different types. Yes, yes. And uh, one of the things I didn't mention, Sarah, that I love about the Enneagram compared to these other types that I've, yeah, compared to these other personality systems that I've studied is the Enneagram is so complex, right? So like with Myers-Briggs, that, that's a great personality test. There's nothing wrong with it. But with the Enneagram, there are layers. So there's where you're at when you're, it, you know, in stress and autopilot and growth, but then there's also your wing and then there's your tri-type and then there's your subtypes and then it just keeps going on and on and on. And what's so great is that people just at the tip of the iceberg, when they learn about their number, they're like, oh, this describes me so well. And I'm like, just wait, just wait till we dive in uh, because you'll be able to learn so much more about yourself, your husband, other individuals, if you want to dive in. But if you want to just know the surface level, that's okay too. But man, uh, I have been blown away at all the different layers of the Enneagram. And it does, like you're saying, you do keep unpeeling the more you know, the more, and, and it really does begin with self, right? You don't just to get to analyze other people. It, it matters that we do our own work on the yes. Enneagram. You know, you do say that um, gaining clarity about ourselves is super important. Um, Will you give an example of where you've seen that happen with one of your clients where they had one of those aha moments and then what changed for him or her? Yes, 100%. So uh, I have two examples and one, one individual I coach, he's a seven, which is known as the enthusiast. Uh, just as an overall view, they're like the most fun on the Enneagram. Uh, they also are the visionaries. So they typically Basically, they love to have things to look forward to, whether that's a vision of what their life could look like or what their business could look like. And when they are in stress, they take on one's stress qualities, which looks like them imposing restrictions on themselves, saying, I should have done this and I should have done that. I have to stop doing this. So that way they can like get more productivity. So I was talking to this individual who's a seven and I could totally tell that he was in this one space because he's like, oh, I got to stop doing this. I got to start doing this and I have to do this. And I just kind of stopped him. And I, I knew that he was a seven. He, he's kind of like, he's learned a little bit about the seven. He knows the tip of the iceberg. And I just asked him, when's the last time you had fun? 
And he thought for a second and said, it's been a long time. And I said, as a seven, one of the most important things for you is to A, make sure that you're enjoying life, like experiences are something that you really want. Uh, but secondly, make sure you have something you look forward to. So I want you to text a few of your friends right now and plan something so you have something to look forward to. So we just took a second so he could do that. And as soon as he got done texting his friends to plan something that he had to look forward to, you could hear and you could see the shift like, oh, wow, I feel a whole lot better. So, and I said, hey, you know, as a seven, this is something that's really important to you. So just keep that in mind when you start making, uh, when you start saying that you have to stop doing this or start doing this and you're really like trying to bear down and make yourself so restricted, just realize you, you need to have more fun. Uh, that is so important to you. Now, the other person that I can think of, she's a two. And I was talking with her and this, uh, the, the specific aspect of the call has nothing to do with personal growth, but I could just kind of hear this uh, tightness in her voice and I could just kind of feel like some not so great energy. And I said, hey, are you, you know, are you feeling a little overwhelmed right now? And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm taking on so many people's emotions and everybody's coming to me and asking me for all these things. Now, her number is a two. That's the helper. And the helper will give, give, and give, and give until they have not, nothing left. And then they'll give some more. And they feel completely drained. And a two, they are known as the trusted advisor because they listen. They have great insight uh, for people. And they instinctively know what other people want without well, sometimes that even that person doesn't even know what they want. They already know what they want for them. Uh, and they'll be like, wow, you know me so well. The trusted advisor is the type of person that when you're talking to them, you're like, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but I, uh, I'm telling you this because I just feel so comfortable with you. So anyway, the trusted advisor doesn't know how to say no often. So this individual I was coaching, she was saying yes to everybody who would ask her for something. And she was giving, 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 giving. And she was just at her breaking point where she's like, uh, I'm taking on other people's emotions. I'm giving all every, to everybody else. And so I said, hey, you know, this is what you are in the Enneagram. And here's where you're at. You're completely unaligned because you're giving without filling up your cup first. So here's what I'm going to have you do. I need you to plan in an hour in your schedule today where you're going to shut off your phone, go out in nature like get away from everybody and just take an hour to yourself. And we've had a couple of conversations where she had told me that she may have felt selfish doing that previously. And I assured her that wasn't, but just giving her that permission to take that and just being more aware of what a two does and some of her pitfalls that can lead her into unalignment really made a big difference. So when I spoke with her, and by the way, she felt like, instantaneously better after she already knew she was going to have some time for herself and she was learning how to put herself first without feeling selfish later on a couple coaching calls later she's she started setting boundaries for herself we practiced how to say no to people uh, and said hey I would love to help you but first I need to do this and then you need to do this first I'm not going to do everything for you so learning how to set those boundaries and set it up so she's just not doing everything for everybody and that was a huge deal but she wouldn't have known that unless she 
learned a little bit more about her type. And she was completely amazed when she learned about the two and said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you know you taught me this. I'm so glad I learned more about this because this is exactly what I needed. You know, it occurs to me in both of those instances, the one thing you did identical for both of them was give them permission. Yes. And I wonder in your experience, and then I just wonder generally for our listeners. So if you're listening and you have thoughts on this, we would love for you to type comments in or email either Patty or I with your thoughts on it. But to what degree, especially in a coaching relationship, are people waiting for permission because they somewhere it's just hard to give it to themselves? Yeah, you know, I feel like it, that would be more likely in the heart triad, even though I did use a seven, uh, in the heart triad, which uh, includes two, threes, and fours, uh, because they have a, you know, the problem with their, their identity. I feel like they need a lot of permission from what I've seen, like threes need permission to take time off. Uh, twos need permission to, you know, say no. And like fours probably need permission uh, to say it's okay to, you know, have the, all their deep emotions uh, that they do have. But um, I would imagine that for a lot of the head triad, with exception of the seven, I don't know, maybe they all do need permission, but I feel like a five would be like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, I'm out. I need time to myself. I don't need permission to do anything, but that's, uh, that's interesting. But I think that's one of the reasons that it's so helpful to have a coach of your own to guide you through what you do need, whether it's you need permission or you need to look at other people through a different lens. Uh, Cause I know a lot, I know a handful of eights and eights, uh, which is the challenger, they don't need permission at all, right? But oftentimes they forget that other people don't see things as raw or quick as they do. So that's a, that's a really interesting question. I'm sure we all probably need permission for something. I just, I found it, which is, and I would say for me as a five, um, one of my coaches, so for folks, I mean, one of the challenges for a five is that we have this thing that we like to be competent. We want to know that we can take care of business for ourselves, for others. So it is really, and in addition to the fact that we don't like being overwhelmed with whatever, right? We're time hogs, basically, which is not our best uh, piece. However, um, but one of the things she did for me was she said, well, what are you going to do to like relax, right? You've been busy, you do the business thing, yada, yada. And um, I said, well, we're planning to take a week or she goes, well, what week are you taking up? And this, when I first had this conversation, it was the end of 2019. And she goes, so what week are you taking off? And I said, well, we don't know. I had at that point, I had a relative in the hospital we were caring for. And she goes, what week would you like to take off? And I went, like she would, she was relentless, but super nice, right? So I'm not feeling the need to push back. She's just like, I hear you, but when would you have liked to have gone? She goes, good, write that on your calendar and block it out now. And she goes, now go, how many weeks total would you like off? I said, well, I'd like to do one more of those, right? She goes, block it off now. Next time I talk to you, I want to know the dates. And honest to goodness, doing that, I ended up taking a little more that year, but the next year, um, and we had to cancel. I mean, we had things come up that were out of our control. Hello, COVID. Um, but also family things that came up we needed to attend to. But because I had done that, I had I could let them go. I didn't have to figure out how to squeeze them in, which really for me was saying it's okay to have your own needs and wants, right? Um, and to book them. 
And so this year, I work with her on another um, focus area this year. We keep switching the focus areas. She says, so how'd you do last year on your vacation? I said, oh, I took it all. And plus I added some. And she goes, what's the plan for this year? I said, oh, I've added more. And because I can work into location independent, so I could do this podcast from anywhere as long as I have a Wi-Fi, right? So I think that piece, to your point of the head triad, I do think we all I'm not maybe permission is the wrong word, but it's kind of like the okay. You're not you're not asking too much, or for someone in the feeling triad, you're not being selfish if you're not always present, or for someone in the more action gut triad, being able to say, you don't have to handle it for everybody else. It's okay for them to figure it out. You can take a break, even if it's for an hour, and let them try and muddle through, right? And then they might have a genius idea, and you could go, oh, that was so great. <laughs> You know, because it's a lot of weight to feel like you have to make sure everything works for everybody. Yes. So that's what I pay attention to that for a while, Patty. And then let's reconnect on it, because I'd be really interested to know, like what you hear from people. That might be a subtle way of them asking, quote unquote, for permission or like, like, OK, I could do this. It's OK. You yes. Know? Yes. No, I, well, everything you had said, I could completely hear my husband saying that uh, about the, you know, the vacation. So that's, I, I never even really thought about that, but yeah, instead of like, yeah, we're, we're going to take some time off and then it never happens. Unless Loosey goosey. It in. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great point. Thank you so much, Sarah. I will most certainly keep that on my radar, especially when I'm talking with people. Well, I'll give credit to Marina Ridge who made me do it and continues to make me go, what's your plan? <laughs> I don't know. She goes, just put it on your calendar. Um, but it is true. You know, it, it does help. It helps me. And it, and it also for my husband who wants to know that I have a plan to take time and I'm not going to work all the time because I love my work. Um, he can look at my calendar and go, where are we going? I says, we haven't decided, but we're going somewhere. <laughs> right? we'll, get, we'll, we'll go camping somewhere. I don't know, but we'll go. So anyway, okay. I can imagine there are folks listening who are going, I want to connect up with Patty. I think I want to find out about coaching with her, learning more with her. How do people connect with you, Patty? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't have a website quite yet, but uh, I am on all the social media handles. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Coach with Patty on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. Uh, you also could email me. The email is pretty easy, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be posted as well. But it's Coach with Patty at Gmail. Patty with the I, uh, gmail.com. So there's a lot of different places uh, that people can be able to reach out and be able to see. I do post, uh, I would say every at least twice a month on my Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn about Enneagram things, whether it's a portion of a workshop I did, or I created a one page PDF of basically all the nine types and their core motivation, their core fear, their core weakness and core logging as like a just an overview for you to look at. So um, it's color coordinated for those of you who are ones and the perfectionists, you'll really appreciate that. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, I post them instead of a website, I post it on, the, on all the different social media handles so you can find me there. We will have it there. So, um, and so folks listening, just go to the show notes. There'll be links there for you. Patty, as we wrap this up, is there one word of encouragement or advice that you would like to offer our listeners? Yeah. So going back to the whole reason for this podcast, it's 
Sarah's interviewing different Enneagram types. And what's so interesting is that as you dive into your Enneagram, I would just say, write down the five people closest to you. And if you've not learned a whole lot about the Enneagram, find out what their Enneagram number is and find out what yours is, obviously. And just read a little bit about those and you'll be blown away at how much you could really learn about them. And if we can just know a little bit more about each other, man, how, what, much, what a much better world this could be, right? I will tell you, I, my husband and I, before I researched the Enneagram, we would be on the same wavelength mostly um, on most things. But once I really understood his Enneagram type, I would say it changed our marriage. It transformed our marriage and it can be a transformational tool for you as well. So it's not really a piece of advice as more of a call to action to look into the Enneagram. And if you want to know more, message me, message Sarah. Uh, we would love to explore more about the Enneagram um, and be able to coach you through it. So as a true three, that was a great checkbox with the call to action, Patty. Yay. My hat's off to you. Hey, and listeners, I'm serious. Check out the show notes. Reach out to Patty. As you can tell from the interview, from her voice, she is, she does love the Enneagram. Um, but Patty, you know what really comes through to me in our conversation is how sincere you are and how much you love helping other people. And that to me is just such a gift. And I feel grateful I get to start my Monday morning off with a redo of my failed recording <laughs> podcast, but I think it was even better today. So yeah, I would agree. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely a passion helping others. And that's why I can't get enough of it. And so sometimes my husband's like, are you ever going to stop working? And I just keep scheduling more, more calls just because I love uh, seeing people's transformation. So thank you so much again for uh, just chatting with me. I really enjoyed your energy and your time. And I absolutely love this podcast. So thank you so much. Thank you, Patty. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.